Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic. When I can, I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Musicals with Cheese. Today I have an ultra special guest. Uh, I have podcaster and composer Joel B. New. Hi, Joel. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Jess. Thanks for having me. Am I? Did you call me super special? Yeah. Wow. That is a phrase. Thank you. Um, so we're just going to chat a little bit about you and what you do and how you do it. So my first question, and we're just going to dive right into this. Uh, how would you describe yourself um, to those who may not know of you, your art, your artistic goals and all of that? Yeah. Uh, so, hi, my name is Joel B. New. I write musicals. I um, have a long, strong background in musical theater, started out as a performer and while in school, discovered that I had a, a knack and a passion for writing musicals versus starring in them. So that is the path that um, that I took. Uh, I would say like I would say like my my brand, you know, is like that's kind of like a, you know, it's the word. It's like journey. It's like those words that we all think we know what they mean. Uh, but my my brand, I think, is, you know, I'm very quirky and random and fun uh, but also incredibly sincere. Uh, my music has, I'm, I'm trained in pop and jazz. So like my scores tend to live in one or both of those worlds most of the time. Um, I love writing funny stuff that's really dark and dark stuff that's really funny. And um, that is um, kind of what I'm about. Mm-hmm. I specifically love your Cabot Cove album. Like I listen Thank to that you. day and night. It's a great, great album. Thank but you also very much. you have a you have a podcast or had it has since been I'm not sure if it's a hiatus or if it's stopped, but you did have a podcast called Something New for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But uh yeah, so something new. I did it for five years and uh what it was and is is uh, a podcast where I would bring people on and interview them who were musical theater performers, but also did something else. So that didn't have to necessarily relate to the arts, but often cases it did. But I would also just, I wanted to understand why people have these parallel career tracks and why they didn't necessarily see either as the primary or the other as like the day job or the side hustle and just how saying yes to these other impulses actually enriches your artistry in a way that just doing the art might not necessarily get you there or, you know, just why saying yes is is so important and leaning into those things. And then of course, at the end of every episode, I would, uh, I would force them to sing one of my songs and um and it really forced me to write a lot because i was doing i did did it in seasons i would do nine months one episode every other week so like 18 episodes a season so that's 18 songs a season i did five years of it so it was a it was it was definitely a great um deadline giver which i'm all about otherwise nothing gets Mm -hmm. done 
I think that was like one of the most the most interesting part to me was the brand new song every time there was a podcast. I was like, it, it made me really interested. All right, what's coming up next? Let's go. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And sometimes the the project, because I never wanted the podcast to be its own thing. I always wanted it to run in tandem with projects that I was working on, whether it was like a full length musical or my Cabot Cove album. Um, so so often the whole season was like leading to like a, an, a culminating experience where we would like then hear a concert version of the show for the first time. Uh, but also I would have guests on, like I had Michael Casera, who's a casting director on, and I wrote a song called um, you just ain't my type. And so like we, I played a lot with people's career choices and that inspired um, often what the songs were about. And I would also try to like play to their vocal strengths and like their different vocal styles like i had stanley martin on and he was like a big fan of amy winehouse and so i was like all right well what if what what would a joel b new amy winehouse song sound like <laughs> you know and i uh, i got to find out great you got to stretch and do things that you wouldn't think of doing yourself which great creative energy i love it i'm feeling it thank you exactly well that's what something new is all about so if i wasn't mm -hmm. walking the walk as well as the host and producer then you know what are we doing Mm -hmm. Now, my next question is, have you always wanted to be a composer, specifically for musical theater? And if so, what made you discover that that was really your true calling? Yeah. So, I mean, I've been interested in musicals for a very, very long time. Uh, starting when I was about 10 years old, I did a community theater production of Oliver. And yes, as Oliver, of course. So I set the bar very high for myself from the start. And so I did that for, I, I did musicals and, you know, voice lessons and dance lessons and all that stuff. I was very interested in being this triple threat that I kept hearing about. And um, I even went to college for it. And I had dabbled in music composition in high school, like a little bit, uh, but mostly like chorus, like choral work. And then when I got to college, which I was still like majoring in performance, it was at Oklahoma City University where I got a Bachelor of Music, where there was just a lot of like music theory classes, um, like oral training, things of that nature that really sparked my interest that, um, in, a, in a way that that my uh, contemporaries in my in my class um, didn't necessarily share that with me in this very specific way. And so when I was about 20, I was I said, I think I'm going to write a musical. And the, the like the right people said, yes, how can we help? And so when I was 21 i i finished like the first draft of my first musical and um you know it, it it was a good it was an ambitious first show and um but it was it got me excited enough to want to keep doing it and so here we are x years later mm -hmm. yeah um so i have a question and it's gonna sound i want it to be a very specific question so Okay. Who do you think are your musical theater influences? And this doesn't mean like your favorite composers and all that. Which ones do you feel have influenced the way that you write the most? Ooh. All right. Some of these will sound very um, canned, but I would say mm -hmm. like William Finn, for sure. I hear that so much in your music. So, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. That means a lot. Uh, Ricky Ian Gordon who's more of an art song and opera composer. Um, but right. his music spoke to me at a very early age and um, still, you know, affects me uh, very powerfully. Uh, Tina Fey, 
And I do consider, I do count her in the musical theater writer's canon now that she has Mean Girls on the boards. Yes. Tina Fey, for sure. Um, Forbidden Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, Duncan Sheik. Um, for like more of my poppy stuff. I don't know. It's a it's a long list, but that's just kind of. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that kind of is my my wide net or like the the ten poles, I guess. But none of them are like the ones that you hear from literally every other composer, which is the Stephen Sondheims and the um, yeah, well, Adam like, Gettles and all that. Yeah, 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 no, and I I love Sondheim and I love Adam Gettle. Uh, Light in the Piazza is one of my favorite musicals. I think it is. It's. I think I love it so much because it's something that I could never write. It's just, it's so beyond. And I feel like, you know, Sondheim, like, that is a very valid answer. And I have all the respect in the world, but it's almost like, can we kind of kind of assume, we can assume that Roger and Hammerstein, Sondheim, Schwartz, you know, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a list of, of writers that I think we don't have to say any. I mean, you know, it's important that we, you know, don't forget them, obviously. But what I'm saying is, like, once, I, I think... I think some of those answers are implied in the other names that you might mention that might be a little more specific to uh, to your voice, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes complete sense, and you say it. You said it very, very well. And so you're also a performer of your own work. Do you find it easier to perform your work or to give it off to performers to do on their own and figure it out themselves? I think interpretation-wise, it's easier for me because like well just like the cabot cove album uh for example so i wrote this five song ep of what i call theater pop songs that are loosely inspired by the murder she wrote tv series and that's a whole other story um but i wrote this specifically with my voice in mind um because a friend of mine said he was like i I enjoy your songs the most when you're singing them and i was like huh okay well that would make this a lot easier to produce if I, you know, <laughs> um, so, I mean, I write very specifically for my voice, uh, but I also really enjoy listening to how others interpret it and, um, and just give them the flexibility and the freedom to do their thing with the songs. Like that's one of my first rules when I start rehearsal, like for this, um, monkey trouble unleashed musical that I'm in rehearsals for right now. My first thing I say to all my actors is like, well, this is your song now and you're, you are debuting this song. So whatever is on the page is great and let's start there it's like ballet it's like this is a good foundation and now let's let now let's make it yours and if you sing a different word or you sing a different note i think we should listen to maybe why you chose that word or that note instead of what was there because you know at the end of the day it needs to sound organic and that's the way you want to lean um at least when i have a conversation about it Mm-hmm. And it's funny that you should mention Monkey Trouble Unleashed, because I got a few questions about that show. Oh, look how effortlessly we segged into that. <laughs> I know. So you describe it, like, officially on the website as a musical parody mashup of two critically obscure films, Monkey Trouble and Unleashed. Mm-hmm. What drove you to those films well, and I what screamed out as musical? Like something no one else would do. Um, I'm really interested in that. Uh, maybe that's why, you know, I don't say Sondheim or Jason Robert Brown in like my list of composers that I want to emulate, who I, I do admire greatly. But I think it's just because I think everyone else is saying that. Maybe I um, kind of uh, balk up against that. Anyway, um, so when I was 
when I was when I was a wee lad, there was a movie called Monkey Trouble, and um, I really enjoyed it. And it's still one of my favorite movies. Starts a very young Thora Birch and a capuchin monkey, and um, I loved it. And then eleven years later, when I was in my twenties, uh, this movie came out called Unleashed, um, and it was written by Luc Besson, who was the guy behind the movie The Fifth Element, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And so I just kind of like kept him on my radar uh, from then on. And so when then Unleashed came out, I was like, okay, I don't know what this is about. We're going to go see it. And when I saw it, I I was like, this is the exact same plot as Monkey Trouble from my childhood. And I was like, I don't think anyone else realizes this or, you know, no one else remembers this other movie. And I was like, God, it's just so crazy how like there's just, there seems to be like, this is such a specific story. And yet there's so many similar uh, beats. And I was like, this is so weird. Like, are, are we running out of stories? And, um, you know, and I, I kept thinking about that. And that was in 2005. And so, um, so I was still in grad school at the time. And I was getting my MFA in musical theater composition at NYU. And uh, from there, I wrote uh, a bunch of different shows like uh, To Hell and Back, McKinsey and the Missing Boy, um, Cabot Cove, uh, Agatha in the Attic, Joel B. News Trying Too Hard. You know, I did a lot of these different projects, including the podcast. And I don't know, it, it, you know, it takes, a, it takes a lot to get a new show started and a lot to feel like you can put another one on the shelf, even for like a little bit, you know, because they're all your kids and you want to pay, pay them as much attention as they need. And um, so when I, wait, real, really long story short, story short, I decided... I just need to, I just need to write this, you know, like I had applied to a couple of things with this, like as a pitch and no one was biting. And I talked to a director and they didn't bite. And I finally, I, I call this like my fuck it show. I was like, you know, fuck, <laughs> it's like, fuck it. And it's not like I've ever really been concerned with, you know, my commercial viability or anything like that. Cause I write murder, she wrote albums and radio podcasts, musicals. And like, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing weird things. Uh, but this was like, I was like, this has to be the weirdest thing I've ever written. And, um, and it, it definitely is. Um, I wrote it in about four months, which is pretty fast for me. I wrote like act one in two months and then I did a table read and then I did uh, another two months and wrote act two and did table reads of those at the Drama Guild Foundation. And, um, and then about nine, eight, nine months ago, I contacted the duplex um, and I've done tons of shows with them before. And I said, I need a deadline. Give, can you give me a venue in nine months? So I was like, cause that's, you know, how long it takes to make a baby. And they, they're like, great here, you know, how about S Sunday, October 6th? And I was, I said, great. And that deadline alone pushed me to create the first uh, incarnation of Monkey Trouble Unleashed. And here we are about four weeks out before it uh, has its concert debut. Now, I'm curious. You're doing this basically as a cabaret performance, right? Yeah, it's like a concert slash reading. It, you know, so it's concert cabaret reading. So we'll go with that. But mm -hmm. like, we're doing all the songs. We're doing, we're doing the lines. You know, obviously there's no real everything's behind music stands. There's no real staging or anything like that, but we're hoping to, you know, we haven't started uh, scene rehearsals yet, but we're hoping to get away with not having to have someone say Danny enters or, you know, we don't <laughs> want, 
any of those stage directions to kind of like disrupt the flow of what we hope will be a, a fun, fluid uh, evening. Mm-hmm. I, I think it sounds incredible, unlike everything else. Um, I have a question about your artistic process, and I don't think anyone else will get anything that interesting out of it but me. But do you find yourself as an artist, if you're doing the same thing as everything else, you get insanely bored after working on it for about a month? Well, I don't even think I get that far if I have to write something that I think everyone else is doing. And I have, you know, I have auditioned, I've written spec songs for movie musical adaptations and things like that. And I've never gotten that far because I will always write the song for the character that like has like one line in the movie. And I wrote them this five minute song and, you know, and, and, and that's the feedback I get. They're like, Oh, and why are you doing it in this style? And I'm like, Oh, cause they, that's what I want to do because I don't think anyone else is going to do it like that. And um, so it, I think it, it serves me well when I'm doing like my me stuff and, um, and it definitely can hinder me if there's more of a, of a formal assignment and they're looking for something specific. Um, so like I've got my own specific specificity for better or worse. And you're going by your own rules of what you think is good as opposed to like, I'm, I'm going to make pride and prejudice the musical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I know enough rules uh, and, you know, I, I know enough about traditional storytelling and music composition and things like pacing and story structure and song structure and song placement and all that kind of stuff that, like, I know how to, I know, I give good story. Mm. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> I think you answered it somewhere in there. And oh, now right, I'm right. just going to get to a personal preference right here. Just the basic thing that you, the basic bitch question, if you don't mind me, my friend. Please, please. Um, what is your favorite musicals and why? Ugh. Favorite musicals. Um, I mean, I, th I think it's I think your favorite musicals are the same. It's like the same answer when, some, when you ask, like, who's your favorite SNL actor? And it's always, I feel, the SNL actors that you grew up with. And I think, like, the musicals that formed me from an early age on are, like, Falsettos by William Finn and James Lapine. Like, Falsettos is a masterpiece, and I learned of it at a very early age, and, you know, that shaped me um, for many reasons. Um... Sunday in the Park with George. Now we're getting into the, you know, the, the pageant answers, but definitely Sunday in the Park with George. Again, James Lapine, uh, Stephen Sondheim. You know, I think about the finale of that show and I start crying. So we should move on. Um, other, <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, well, and obviously that one, because like it speaks to me as an artist and speaks to me as a person. And sometimes tr you know, like treading that, that fine line between um, like living your life uh, for your art and living your life for living sake is um, it's a daily daily battle I would say and then I mean like I love Spring Awakening I mentioned Duncan Sheik earlier I think that's a, a beautiful work of art and uh, the juxtaposition between the period piece and the when they whip out those microphones was very exciting in its day yes um, I mean Rent for similar reasons um, like that show 
I think it was like the first show that I memorized from start to finish, you know, for which I think was the case for most of us. Mm hmm. So 90s kids musicals. Um, yeah. That's... <laughs> but yes, they've also that, I mean, become. Like my, yeah, yeah. But they've become like huge classics. And um, mm -hmm. one of my new favorite musicals is, is Everybody's Talking About Jamie, which is on the West End. It's such a good show. And it's one of those few that, you know, when you're listening to Spotify and they just like throw, they're like, here's a show tune. Like you're listening to pop music and all of a sudden they throw in a show tune because they know you like musicals and you're gay and they, you know, they're like, here's a song. And I'm like, mm, this sounds like Mean Girls or something like that. And, uh, but when, um, when the opening number of everybody talking about Jamie came on randomly on a Spotify playlist, I didn't know it was from a musical. I was like, oh, this is delightful. What is this? And when I found out, I was, I was, I was hooked and I went and saw it in movie theaters and I made my husband go see it when he was visiting London this summer. Um, so yeah, I'm obsessed. It should come here and run for years. Now, as a composer yourself and uh, a recipient of the Jonathan Larson grant for musical theater, um, uh -huh. I'm curious, what would be your advice to people that are growing up and wanting to be a musical theater composer, much like yourself? My advice for if, if this, if, if what I'm doing is what they want to do. Yes. I would say, do it because <laughs> dance like nobody's watching like right right like right like no one's going to hear it i mean but but also right like everyone's going to hear it how's that for thought provoking um like writes like you, sh you should write stuff that especially early in your career i mean you should you should always be writing stuff that brings you joy even if you're getting commissioned to you know write you know, ABC, the movie, the musical, you want to find your way in. And I feel like y you have to know what your way in is from the get go and be prepared for that to change as you mature. And, you know, but always make sure that you're finding your point of view from the start. And I feel like that was something that wasn't it's harder to teach that in, in college to like, you know, find out like what your brand is or like what like what your themes are. And I think those are things that you, you know, you kind of stumble upon as you're making the things and you're like, Oh, I guess there is a through line, but I think the the more quickly you can identify the things that you are writing organically that people are connecting with. I mean, get stuff in front of people, make deadlines, put it in front of people. I don't care where, I don't care how there is no excuse in the 21st century to not get your work out there in some way. You can make a podcast for free hello, um, you can, you know, you can do something in your living room and then stream it on YouTube. You can, you know, call up your local cabaret venue and be like, hey, I need a deadline. Will you help me? You, you will be surprised how many people want to help you because there's so many good stories to be told. And there's, um, while there are a gazillion musical theater writers now and only so many stages, um, like the, the stage, the, the platforms are expanding exponentially and we all need to hear your story beautiful that is wonderful worlds of advice great wisdom from a very great man now joel we're wrapping up but i want you to give everyone a chance to find all your work so if there's stuff you want to promote the best places to find your previous work just throw it out at us let us hear it you should go to joelbnew.com that's where everything is um you can get 
um, you can listen to demos and watch videos from previous concerts of all my of all my musicals. Uh, the one that I'm really excited about right now is the premiere of Monkey Trouble Unleashed, which is debuting on Sunday, October 6th at 6.30 p.m. at the Duplex. Uh, it's a great, weird little show about a man who thinks he's a monkey, and when you take his collar off, he wants to kill people. Um, but he wants something more, and when he does, he falls in love, and he falls in love with a man, and he has to ask himself, like, what does it mean to be a monkey versus being a man? Um, and to make peace with all the violence of his past and um, and find out that, that love is love and love is always the, the best catalyst for change. So it's a, it's a beautiful, violent show with lots of killing, <laughs> and, um, but, but lots of love and lots of silliness. Um, so please go to joelbnew.com slash monkey, and you can get all the info, ticket link, um, I'm on Instagram and all that stuff at Joel B new. Um, I try to do some amusing things over there. So check it out. Mm -hmm. And all these links you will find in the show notes below. Um, as well, if I want to get my personal preference of my favorite things, I love Cabot Cove. It is on my iPhone shuffle. Uh, it comes up. I listen to the corpse dance at midnight a lot as well that as murder in a minor key. Both. Thank you very much. Both are frequently played in my in my little world. <laughs> that makes me very happy. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And don't forget to check out like all the back catalog of something new uh, musical theater podcast, which I also think is actively really great. Even though Thank there's no you. new Thank episodes you. coming, it well, still there... is a good listen. Well, I should say um, I don't know when this is coming out, but I have mm -hmm. I have temporarily revived it, and I'm doing five episodes that are gearing up towards the premiere of monkey trouble unleashed so i'm interviewing my cast one a week and so i just had i just released two new episodes uh with two of my stars amy joe jackson and ernie Prunetta. and then i will continue and interview the rest of my cast which is currently lee ellen codial charles sanchez and andrew christie Mm -hmm. so, so go check those out too but yeah. be sure to come back here every now and then don't just leave this podcast forever after you discover no, something well, I'm, new I'm, I'm a fan for i'm a fan for life now so music musicals of cheese um you, you haven't <laughs> lost you you will not lose me you are my something new yeah all right guys thank you for coming on joel um anytime you, you want to come on or talk about musicals with us feel free to come on sounds like a dream thank you so much for having me <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next time on Musicals with Cheese. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot -E 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 org because only together we rise.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.